Department of Energy employee Sam Britton, who went viral for his public display of his sexual and gender preferences a few months ago, is involved in a bizarre story. He has been federally charged with theft for stealing a woman's luggage at the airport. You have to hear this strange, strange tale. Also, Tampax sexualizes periods. The NHL apparently thinks that men and women can compete against each other in hockey. And embryos created in 1992 have just been born to a couple in Portland. We've got all of this and more on today's episode of Relatable. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. That's American meat delivered right to your front door. Go to goodranchers.com slash That's goodranchers.com slash All right, guys. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a great week so far. Well, seems like you guys really liked yesterday's episode talking about Balenciaga. Also, Tia Mowry and her comments about divorce. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen or watch it on YouTube. There is a little bit of an update on the Balenciaga thing before we get into the rest of the story. I'm kind of amazed at how long this is dragging on and how many people finally are pushing back against this major brand that has so many connections to some of the most influential celebrities. It is a little bit encouraging, but at the same time, I think that we should kind of view the repudiations that we are seeing from some other companies and celebrities really just as like a surface level cover up. Obviously, if Balenciaga took it this far and was this overt with child exploitation, there's a lot that's going on underneath the surface that made them and this many people involved that comfortable. And I think that we're really just seeing the tip of the iceberg in all of this. So zero points, zero points to Balenciaga for their apologies and all the people just trying to save face by pretending that they care about this. But here's a new statement. Um, Here's a new statement from Balenciaga that they posted on their Instagram stories. As we said yesterday, they put out two different iterations of an apology, neither of them sufficient based on everything that we know that we talked about yesterday. And still, they're trying to shift blame here as if they don't take full responsibility for what their company puts up in the way of advertisements. So I won't read all of it because it's pretty long, but let me read some of it. We would like to address the controversy surrounding our recent ad campaigns. We strongly condemn child abuse. It was never our intent to include it in our narrative. The two separate ad campaigns in question reflect a series of grievous errors for which Balenciaga takes responsibility. So they say that, but then they go on to say, well, it's not really our responsibility. Because remember, they're also suing the third party that kind of put together this ad campaign. Uh, the first campaign, the gift collection campaign, featured children with plush bear bags dressed in what some have labeled BDSM-inspired outfits. Our plush bear bags in the gift collection should not have been featured with children. So again, as I said yesterday, they're not denying that it's BDSM. They're not saying that it's not. They're not saying that this wasn't bondage gear. They're not saying, no, these are genuine kids' toys. They were just, you know, wearing some gothic costumes. No, they're not denying that they were sexual in nature because remember, these plush bear bags were made for adults and were used on the runway by adults who had makeup on to make them look like they were beaten up. 
These are the products that they put with children. So they're saying that that was wrong. They should not have paired these bears with children. And yet they did. And yet they did. That's the disturbing part. Then they go on to say the second separate campaign for spring 2023, which was meant to replicate a business office environment, included a photo with the page in the background from a Supreme Court ruling, United States v. Williams, 2008. We described what that was yesterday. They're suing the company that put this in the background of the photo. He said, they say, while internal and external investigations are ongoing, we are taking the following actions. We are closely revising our organization and collective ways of working. What does that mean? Uh, We are reinforcing the structures around our creative processes and validation steps. We want to ensure that new controls mark a pivot and will prevent this from happening again. We are laying the groundwork with organizations who specialize in child protection and aims at ending child abuse and exploitation. Who's it going to be like the Trevor Project? I mean, who what organizations are you talking about here? Are you really going to be held accountable? Like I said yesterday, I will be satisfied when they are actually being investigated by law enforcement for how they allowed this to happen. Balenciaga, they say, reiterates its sincere apologies for the offense we have caused and extends its apologies to talents and partners. Uh, Close but no cigar. I'm not going to get into the reason why I don't accept all of this commentary. I do in some way appreciate the fact that they are still having to kind of grovel i appreciate the backlash was that much and they're actually responding to it i'm not going to get into all of the reasons why it's not sufficient because you can go back and listen to yesterday's episode for my full explanation on that but i did want to make sure that i gave you the latest update and gave you their most recent statement on that all right we've got more bizarre stories to talk about today quite a few things as you heard in the introduction the first thing i want to respond to is a tweet that was published by tampax yes that is the tampon commercial now one of my amazing sponsors is a tampon company called garnu who does not do disgusting things like what tampax did tampax also uses men who identify as women or identify as girls like dylan mulvaney in their advertisements and so they're already woke and ridiculous and shouldn't be supported but they also sexualize periods as i am about to read to you in their tweet which i just found really disturbing and disgusting one of my sponsors however garnu they don't do that and so uh you should check them out i think my code is ally for them and you can get a discount on that uh, they're not a sponsor on today's show and i do need to pause and tell you about uh, one of our sponsors today before i actually tell you what tampax so egregiously said and our first sponsor is patriot mobile patriot mobile is america's only christian conservative wireless provider they want to make it easy for you to try their service so they have an amazing deal going on right now you can try patriot mobile for 60 days if you're not satisfied then you're not on the hook for anything but they are very confident that you are going to love their service they've got a hundred percent us-based customer service team their customer service is amazing and also you can feel really good knowing that you're getting great cellular service while also giving money to a company that actually aligns with your values not companies that hate you and like other companies exploit children and their innocence so we just need to do everything that we can 
as Christians, as conservatives, as people who love America, to support businesses that align with our principles. You can do that with Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie, or you can call their customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. So you can try Patriot Mobile for two months, and then if you like it, you can get your third month free plus free activation. That's patriotmobile.com slash Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. All right, let's talk about this ridiculous Tampax tweet that went viral. A ton of people liked it. I think it had like hundreds of thousands of likes. They ended up deleting it for reasons that we will explain. So here's what the original tweet, um, what the original tweet said. It said, you're in their DMs. We're in them. We are not the same. And when I posted this on my Instagram stories and responded to it there, a lot of you were like, I don't understand this. And that is because you are not inundated with like Twitter world, like a lot of us who are in media are. And God bless you for that. You shouldn't be. This is like a meme template that people use in different ways. Like you're in her DMs, but I'm doing XYZ. I'm a lot closer to her than you are. That's the kind of thing. And it turned out to be like kind of a funny meme. What they are saying, let me break this down for the uninitiated. They're saying they're using gender neutral language, which is also why it's confusing. They're saying there instead of her because they hold to the absolutely absurd belief that men can have periods, meaning women who think that they are men and dress like they're men have periods. And so that's why they use this gender neutral language rather than feminine language in talking about people, women who have periods. So they're saying you're in their DMs. So you are in her direct message inbox, but we Tampax are inside of her, inside of her body. We are not the same. So they played upon this meme by you know, using what their product does and doing it and uh, using this meme in a sexual way because tampons are inside a woman's genitalia. Great, right? A lot of people thought that this was funny. A ton of people retweeted it. I'm sure for a while there, the social media team, that they were patting themselves on the back, but they also got a lot of backlash. Why? Because you were sexualizing a natural process that women go through. You were sexualizing periods. How are women supposed to feel when they're using Tampax products that they're being sexually assaulted, even in the mind of the social media manager? Did you not think that that's creepy? Did you not think about the fact that there are 10-year-old girls who use Tampax going through one of the most vulnerable and awkward and just formative experiences of her young life. We're talking about preteens using these products and you're joking about being sexually involved with her. And again, I would call it sexual assault because like there's no, there's not like consent going on here to the sexualization of using a tampon. Why? Why not only... Did Tampax approve of this? Because, again, this is a major company. Sometimes people will say, oh, it's the social media intern. The social media intern got fired. No, the, there is not an intern that is tweeting for companies like Tampax. This is someone who makes maybe six figures running 
Tampax's social media, or at least the person who is in charge of social media and marketing is making that much. Tweets have to go through many hands, have to get lots of layers of approval when you're talking about companies this big. And so again, you're telling me that there was no one in charge, no adult that saw this, male or female, and thought, hmm, you know what, we've got, we've got vulnerable preteens that use our products. Maybe we shouldn't joke about tampons being sexual. And it didn't even make sense because they had to be so woke that they couldn't even use feminine language. And so even if it were humorous, which I don't find it humorous, but even if it were humorous, the humor died because of their stupid gender neutral language, because that's what progressivism does. It kills, it destroys, it can't create anything good or funny or true or beautiful. So it just destroys things, including humor or what would be humor. Tampax ended up taking it down, which I didn't think that they would. I kind of just thought that they were going to double down. Um... They well, they did double down, but I thought that they were just going to stay there. So here was their doubling down. They quote tweeted their original tweet and they said, refuse to let Twitter shut down before we shared this tweet. Because if you don't know, people were talking about, oh, Twitter is going to die. It's on its deathbed because Elon Musk fired 75 percent of the employees and it's not going to function anymore. And just as an aside, Elon Musk fired 75% of its employees and Twitter is somehow working better than it was before. What does that tell you about how these media companies, how these tech companies are run and just how much incompetence and bureaucracy is really weighing them down? Anyway, so they did double down on it. They joked about it. They thought it was funny. Then they got more backlash and They tweeted out on November 26th. They said, we messed up with our last tweet. We removed it and we apologized to everyone we offended. I really hate that kind of apology. You'll remember from yesterday that that's what Balenciaga originally said in their tweet. Like, we're sorry to have caused offense. We are sorry. We apologize to everyone we offended. No, I don't want you to apologize to me for offending me. I, I, whatever. You don't have to apologize for hurting my feelings or for hurting anyone else's feelings. You need to apologize for sexualizing periods, you freaks. Like, you need to apologize for saying something that was so wildly inappropriate and was actually violative in a lot of ways of young girls and their privacy. Uh, Respect is central to our brand values, Tampax says, somehow. I don't believe that if you're using Dylan Mulvaney to advertise your products, a guy who disrespects women by his very character, by creating a ridiculous, floozy caricature of females in all of his videos. So I don't really believe that you respect your customer base. I don't believe that you respect women in general. So when they say your respect is central to our brand values, I just I'm not really buying it. And then they say, our recent language did not reflect that. We have learned from this and we will do better, do better, do better. That's always what you see from the social media people and you never have, or social media, social justice people is what I meant to say. And you never have any specifics on what that actually means. Look, I am all for a joke. I think that humor is really important. I think pushing buttons is important. I think even uh, pushing and pressing 
boundaries of what is considered like appropriate topics of discussion and subjects of jokes is important. I think that satire, I think that humor can make points that literalism can't. And so I don't want to be a fuddy-duddy when it comes to humor. I just think that this is extremely inappropriate for a company that has to do with like private and sensitive bodily functions of women uh, to say, I think that it is weird to sexualize young girls by saying things like this. Just think it's odd. And I'm glad a lot of people agreed. And again, I'm glad that they apologized. That's why I do think even if those com- even if these companies that we're talking about, even if they don't make substantive changes, which, as I've said, I have my doubts, I still think it's important for us to speak up. I still think it's important for us to complain, for us to say something, because at the very least, it scares them a little bit. At the very least, they can see that the values that they're trying to push are controversial and that millions of people don't appreciate them and don't agree with them. And I think that that counts for something, right? That counts for something. Um, All right, another ridiculous tweet comes from the NHL, and I will respond to that in just a second. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Birch Gold. As you guys know, I don't have to tell you, you just had your most expensive Thanksgiving probably ever. You're about to have an expensive Christmas. That inflation is out of control. It's not getting better. The policies that are being put in place are only worsening inflation, like sending billions of dollars to Ukraine for honestly who knows what reason at this point. So you need to make sure that your savings are secure. You can hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold. All you have to do is text Allie to 989-898 for your free info kit on diversifying into gold. Plus, when you do it this month, buy Black Friday, get a free gold bar with every purchase that you make by December 22nd. With almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. So text Allie to 989-898. Claim your free info kit on gold. Just check it out. Learn about it. See if it's something that could benefit you and your family. Go to text Allie to 989-898. Allie to 989-898. All right. So the NHL tweeted a week ago, the NHL is proud to support this past weekend's Team Trans Draft Tournament in Middleton, Wisconsin. This was the first tournament comprised entirely of transgender and non-binary players with around 80 folks participating. Um, So that's not real. It's not real to be anything other than male or female. You can imagine something in your brain. You can pretend to be something that you're not. So when you see language like this, this is a team that's comprised of transgender and non-binary players. You're looking at imaginary um, descriptions here. They have no correlation, no foundation in reality. So there's nothing really unprecedented about these teams like these are just men and women playing hockey as men and women have played hockey for a very long time there was a response by someone named blue mountain 12 who says so men playing on woman's team i appreciate the innocence and the simplicity of this question blue mountain 12 and the nhl responded trans women are women trans men are men Non-binary identity is real. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not actually real. It's not. You can dress in an androgynous way. You can say that you're both 
masculine and feminine in your different interests and in your personality type, in how you like to dress, whatever, but it is not possible to be something in between male or female. Now, you can have a disorder that is intersex. That's not what people are talking about when they say non-binary. That's not what people are referring to when they say transgender. Intersex is a very, very um, small population of people who are uh, born with a mixture of uh, male and female parts and sometimes hormonal makeups, but they really shouldn't even be included in this conversation about identity because that's a biological disorder that doesn't negate, by the way, the gender binary. In the same way that there are some people who are born with one leg, that doesn't negate the fact that human beings are bipeds. So this idea of non-binary identity being real is just not true. And by the way, if trans women were women and trans men are men, um, which is just a circular maxim, it doesn't have any real meaning to it, then you wouldn't have to say that. Like if trans women are women, then okay, we just have women. What actually is a trans woman then? If trans women are women, why do you even have to say that trans women are women. Just say women are women then. Doesn't that make, don't, don't you understand how that doesn't make sense? And some people say, well, it's just like saying black women are women or Hispanic women are women. No, it's not because those are actually women. You're saying men who identify as women are women, which means there's no such thing as a woman or a trans woman. Don't you see how it's illogical? It doesn't actually make any sense. And the NHL doesn't believe this. Just like I've said before, no one actually believes this. No one actually believes this. And we're going to get into another example of showing that no one actually believes this. Even the people who identify as this, they don't actually believe this in just a second. But the reason I know the NHL doesn't believe this is because you don't see any quote unquote trans men playing on men's hockey teams. If trans men are truly men, then get you the best trans men who are women, the best trans men hockey players in the world from all over the country, from Russia, from China, from Australia, from Canada, from America. Bring them all together in the best, most elite hockey team of trans men in the world. And then have them play against uh, your average all-male hockey team. I mean, truly male you know, the whole thing, and see how that goes down. Let's see. I would love to see a competition between a full trans man team and a full actual man's team and just see how it goes down. I mean, if trans men are men, then it should be a nail biter. They should be neck and neck. It should be an amazing game. But somehow, I just, I have a feeling, I have a feeling just like if there were a team of trans women who are actually men playing against women, uh, that that also would um, would be a very easy game for the trans women to win. I just have a feeling that so-called trans men playing against men, that it wouldn't turn out the way the NHL is implying that it would by saying that trans men are men and trans women are women. No one actually believes it. No one actually believes that a man can become a woman. No one does. No one really does. I know they say it. I know they repeat all of this academic language. I know that they say that they believe that. No one actually believes that someone is literally non-binary. Um, and I have another example of that. 
in this incredible news interview that was on CNN. Now, this happened after the tragic Colorado Springs shooting um, in which five people were shot and killed at a gay club there. Absolutely tragic. These are people, first of all, just humans. Humans made in the image of God, but these are brothers, friends, um, family members, parts of community that is now, they're now lost. They're now gone because an idiot decided to inflict violence on a group of people. We still don't know the full motivation for that. Um, And so it was a tragic incident and we should be praying for the community, praying for their families. We should also be praying for the people on the left who immediately after it happened, blamed people on the right, blamed people who believe in traditional marriage, blamed people who believe what human beings have believed for all of human existence, that we are made male and female, and that biology matters, that there are real biological differences that can't be trumped by feelings or declarations. Um, They blamed all of us who have traditional and logical, and in some cases, theological beliefs about the body, about gender, about marriage, and about uh, sexuality uh, for this violence. And said that, you know, it's stoked by libs of TikTok, by Matt Walsh, and by the Republicans who don't believe in changing the definition of marriage that, again, has existed for all of human history. And so it was really disgusting. The bodies weren't even cold before the left started politicizing it in a very, very ugly and divisive way. But that's, of course, what they always do in these kind of tragedies. But then we found out that the shooter apparently identifies as non-binary and wants to go by the pronouns they, them. And you might have noticed that the reporting about this person died out like pretty quickly after we found out that fact. And there was an interview on CNN um, that uh, was conducted with someone who is at the nightclub and who identifies as a woman, is a man. And here's what this person had to say about the shooter now identifying as non-binary. I think that's um, complete ludicrous. <laughs> um, I believe they're just saying that because they want to have um, the easy way out on this. Um, that's really, really um, offending, especially being a transgender woman myself, that a male, which it was obvious with the mugshot, that's a man. That's not a non-binary person because in no way, shape, or form could they appear as a woman the next day. Um, It's really offensive to even hear that, that they're playing that role. Um, And if they're non-binary, why would you go after the club where you feel safe at? Why would you do that to a community where you are welcomed in if you are non-binary? Excellent question. All right. So this is really interesting logic here from this person. And by the way, the lower third said that he is a friend of a Club Q shooting victim. So I don't know if that person was um, was actually there. So this is fascinating. So this person who is very clearly a man with long hair and makeup on, but who identifies as a transgender woman, says that the shooter is not non-binary based on his pictures. So if we applied that same logic to this person who is speaking, what conclusion would we come to? 
we would also come to the conclusion that this person is a man. And so you see that these people don't even believe their ideology. On the one hand, we hear, oh, it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what your body is. It doesn't matter what your haircut is. It doesn't matter how you dress. However you identify is totally valid and everyone needs to respect that. And yet this person who very much looks like a man looks at another person who looks like a man and says, no, your stated identity is not valid. But yours is just because you're wearing highlighter and you have long blonde hair? Come on. And so that's what I mean when I say no one actually believes this. Even the people who say that they are a part of these communities, when it comes down to it, they only really agree with this ideology when it suits them. They have their own rules that they play by when it comes to this. And like, by the way, if people who don't respect a so-called non-binary identity are stoking violence, then what is this person doing? Is this person also stoking violence? Are they encouraging a shooter because they are not acknowledging as valid this person's apparent non-binary identity? And so they don't even play by the rules that they set for others. Unfortunately, it is very political for them. Um, and unfortunately, uh, this shooter is not just unstable because of his stated identity, which I would say anyone who identifies as like multiple people as they them or something that they are not like there's something definitely uh, mental going on there. But this person was unstable in a lot of other ways. I mean, his background, his family situation, the things that his parents have said, his track record, he threatened a bomb uh, just last year, I believe. And nothing happened to him. And so this is just another example of people dying needlessly because the FBI, because in some cases the system, the law enforcement system didn't do its job to protect innocent people. I mean, probably in the name of social justice, this person was allowed to make the threats that he did with impunity. And now, unfortunately, five image bearers of God are dead. So this really isn't, this story isn't about the right not supporting the left's new fangled uh, gender ideas. This is a story about the failures of our justice system. This is a story about um, unstable uh, uh, mental health. This is a story about the consequences of the breakdown of the family and of community. It's a story about godlessness and a lack of morality. And it's tragic. Now these lives are lost forever because of these multiple uh, multiple failures. But within that is also just the uh, a highlight of the incongruence of uh, gender ideology. And it really just does delude people into believing things that are so illogical and so inconsistent um, that unfortunately, it's in times where we're supposed to be able to come together and unite, we're speaking two different languages. And we can't even agree on the fundamentals of human existence, which makes it really difficult for us to come together in times of tragedy and try to really have a common understanding of how we can prevent things um, like this uh, in the future. So 
a very tragic situation, but I just kind of wanted to highlight the inherent absurdity in some of the commentary about this. And we're going to talk about another absurd story with an unstable individual in just a second. Let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor, and that is My Patriot Supply. So I don't know if you guys saw that there is a story. Um, it's ongoing, but there was a, a recent headline that I saw that uh, – in Scandinavia, they are shutting down thousands of farms to comply with EU regulations in the name of climate change. Go back and listen to last Monday's episode if you want to know what a farce that is, especially as it is being portrayed uh, right now. But we're looking at global food shortages. There are lots of reasons for that, but a lot of them have to do with these climate policies. And so you want to make sure that your family is protected if things really do hit the fan. So you might as well just have an emergency food kit on hand. Hopefully you will never need it, but you might as well be, it's better to be safe than sorry. So go to mypatriotsupply.com. When you do, you'll save 25% off each kit that you buy. It's a three-month emergency food kit. You'll want to You'll want to buy one for every member of your family. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. Save that 25% right now. That's mypatriotsupply.com, mypatriotsupply.com. All right, let me tell you about this very, very strange story um, of this individual named Sam Britton, who we were told a few months ago is one of the first, quote, openly gender fluid individuals in federal government leadership. And he works uh, for the Department of Energy. He is not an appointee by Biden. Uh, he is uh, he's just a bureaucrat that was recently hired. And uh, he was recently charged with felony theft last month after stealing a woman's luggage at MSP Airport. Let me tell you a little bit about Sam Britton. If you don't already know, it can kind of give us context for why he would do something like this. So this is according to alphanews.org. The MIT grad went viral earlier this year when he announced his new role as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Office of Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition in the U.S. Department of Energy. Prior to working in government, Britton was an anti-conversion therapy activist who taught Kink 101 workshops on college campuses. By the way, conversion therapy is not something that is happening in a pervasive sense at in any way in the United States. What left-wing activists mean when they say conversion therapy is basically just counseling of people who are confused about their gender or sexuality and want help with that. They believe that you should only be affirming someone's gender confusion and their any form of sexual deviance rather than getting them the actual holistic help that they need. So when he says that he is an anti-conversion therapy activist, that's what he is talking about. Um, he taught Kink 101 workshops on college campuses, according to the National Pulse. A photo from one of these workshops shows Britton in a dress as he stands over three males in leather dog masks. And the, I mean, the photo itself is not sexually explicit. We can probably show you on YouTube. Uh, one of the, what something that he said um, to, uh, in a 2016 Metro Weekly article is that he has a pup play fetish. Disgusting. One of the hardest things about being a handler is that I've honestly, handler, 
what? I've honestly had people ask, wait, you have sex with animals? And then he goes on to say, oh, they believe it's abusive. It's taking advantage of someone. I'm very confused about whether or not this person is actually engaging in bestiality or whether it's just a fantasy. Either way, disgusting. He is also a member of the sacrilegious drag queen society called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And they have lots of disgusting, sexually explicit names for their characters. And according to the Washington Examiner, Britton once talked with college students about how he enjoys tying up his significant other like a table and eating his dinner on him while he watches Star Trek. And so he's a freak. He's a sexually deviant freak. And he is very outspoken about all of his paraphilias and what seems like violent and um humiliating sexual activity that he is not content to uh, keep in the privacy of his own home and bedroom, but actually wants to publicize and to teach other people about on college campuses. This is one of the bureaucrats that is working in the Department of Energy. Um, So here's what happened, though, recently, as if that's not enough. Uh, Law enforcement at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport were alerted to a missing suitcase in the baggage claim area on September 16th. The adult female victim said she flew into MSP on a Delta flight from New Orleans and went to retrieve her checked bag at Carousel 7. Airport records confirmed the Navy Blue Vera Badley roller bag a Vera Bradley roller bag arrived at 4.40 p.m. but was missing from the carousel. So law enforcement reviewed video surveillance footage from the baggage claim area and observed Britain removing a navy blue roller bag from carousel 7, according to a criminal complaint. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, it's just a mistake. This weirdo probably did have a Vera Bradley bag. Uh, well, the complaint says that Britain removed a luggage a tag from the bag, placed it into a handbag he was carrying, and then left the area at a quick pace. Britain arrived at MSP Airport around 4.27 p.m. on an American Airlines flight from Washington, D.C., but did not check a bag, meaning he had no reason to visit baggage claim, according to the complaint. Oh, Police showed the surveillance video to the victim and she confirmed it was her bag. Britain left the airport in an Uber for a stay in the Intercontinental St. Paul Riverfront Hotel where he checked in with the blue bag, the complaint says. He returned to MSP on September 18th with the bag in hand for a departing flight back to Washington, D.C., authorities allege. Surveillance video from Dulles International Airport shows Britain traveling with the bag on an October 9th return trip from Europe. The complaint notes the victim said the estimated value of the bag is about and the contents about $2,300. Police questioned Britain about the bag on October 9th in a phone call. And he said that uh, uh, when they asked, did you take anything out of the bag that didn't belong to you? And he said, not that I know of. He later admitted to taking the bag, but said the clothes inside were his, according to the complaint. If I had taken the wrong bag, I'm happy to return it, but I don't have any clothes for another individual. That was my clothes. That was my clothes. When I opened the bag, he told police, according to the complaint. Britton allegedly called the investigating officer, though, two hours later and apologized for not being completely honest. This time, Britton said he took the bag because he was tired and thought it was his, the complaint says. He allegedly told police that he realized the bag didn't belong to him when he opened it up at the hotel, but got nervous and didn't know what to do. Worried that people would think he stole the bag, Britton told police he left the victim's clothes in the drawers in the hotel room, according to the complaint. Uh, Britton said he brought the bag 
Uh, he brought the bag back to D.C. with him because it would have been weirder to leave a bag in the hotel room, according to the police. Police told Britain how to return the bag to Delta, but as of October 27th, the victim still had not received her bag back. Police also learned that no clothing was recovered from the hotel room, so he did not leave it in the hotel room. Britain's first court hearing is scheduled for December 19th in Hennepin County. Alpha News attempted to contact Britain via email, but received an automatic reply saying he is on leave and unable to access his email. So, the dude didn't never checked a bag. He went to the baggage claim, even though he didn't check a bag. He decided that he was going to steal a bag, probably that he could tell was a female's bag. And it's probably because he wanted to steal women's clothes because he gets off on that. Because as we've talked about many times, so many people that have these uh, so-called identities really just have sexual perversions that they are trying to indulge and get other people to affirm. So that is my theory and my guess about what went on here. You know, it used to be that we realized that when men wear female clothing, that they are mentally unstable in general, that it wasn't something to affirm, but a reason to say, oh, you know what? That person is probably not someone that we should um, allow to have a whole lot of influence or responsibility. Certainly, we don't allow them around certain kinds of people. I mean, my husband talks about that there was a guy in his community growing up that would wear women's dresses and ride a bike around. And okay, people just knew that that person is strange. That's certainly not someone that you would ask to come teach your class or to read you know, books to kids at the at the library. It's probably not someone that should be hired by the federal government. And yet now we've just accepted these uh, these so-called identities. We've normalized them. We've mainstreamed them. And not only that, but we have actually glorified them to the point to where we are allowing unstable people to run things like the energy department. I would say that that is a problem. We've gone too far in the whole uh, destigmatizing movement. I mean, some things need to be stigmatized. Men wearing women's clothing is not normal. It is not indicative of a stable individual. I mean, this is Silence of the Lambs type stuff, type perversion that I think is really worrisome. I'm glad that he is being held accountable for this theft by law enforcement. I hope that he is not able to get a job in the government, but knowing the corruption that's in our government, I'm sure that he will be back at his job post hence. So I just wanted to tell you that bizarre, bizarre story. This person who went viral a few months ago and people on the right were understandably concerned about it. It turns out that he actually is quite, quite unstable, just as unstable as a lot of people said that he was. Um, All right. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, and that is Dwell. So if the craziness in the world that we are discussing today is making you want to just take a break from the news cycle and to remind yourself of what is actually true and beautiful and lasting, you need to be spending time in God's word. And look, I understand you're busy. You're probably a mom like me and you just don't have time to spend an hour in the morning with all of your commentaries open and systematic theology to the side and your original Greek and Hebrew study Bible in front of you you know, spending spending your morning reading the book of James. You just, you want to do that, but you just don't have time to. You're on the go, but we still need to be meditating on scripture. And that's why I love Dwell app. That's why I love listening to scripture on Dwell. I do it in the car. I do it when I'm cleaning the kitchen or when I'm 
cooking. I just put my headphones in and I listen to whatever scripture I want to listen to that day. They also have different reading plans. They've got different voices. They've got different versions and all of that. My favorite version is ESV. So that's what I'm listening to. And it's really super helpful. It's been a really big blessing to me. And it takes the pressure off of the so-called quiet time and just ensuring that you are still ingesting the word of God, even if it doesn't look as perfect and as quiet as you want it to. To get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash relatable to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. That 33% off means you save $50. So make sure to visit dwellapp.io slash relatable, commit to scripture for the rest of this year or for life. That's dwellapp.io slash relatable, dwellapp.io slash relatable. All right, I wanted to quickly comment on the story that a lot of you have been asking me about. It was reported by the BBC, twins born from embryos frozen 30 years ago. The reason a lot of you guys are asking me about this is because I have done several episodes with several experts on surrogacy, on IVF, on different kinds of reproductive technology and the ethics behind that. And so this is a very interesting ethical story. Let me tell you what happened and then I'll give my commentary on it. On April 22nd, 1992, the BBC says embryos were created for an anonymous married couple using in vitro fertilization. The husband was in his early 50s and they used a 34-year-old egg donor. Uh, For nearly three decades, they sat in storage on, on tiny straws kept in liquid nitrogen at nearly 200 degrees below zero and a device that looks much like a propane tank. The embryos were kept at a fertility lab on the West Coast until 2007, when the couple who created them donated the embryos to the National Embryo Donation Center in Knoxville, Tennessee, in hopes another couple might be able to use them. The five embryos were overnighted in in specially outfitted tanks to Knoxville, said Dr. John Gordon, the Ridgeway's doctor. Uh, The Ridgeway's, I guess, they are the couple who... um, who adopted these embryos. The National Embryo Donation Center is a private faith-based organization that has helped birth more than 1,200 infants from frozen embryos. On October 31st, Lydia and Timothy Ridgway were born to Rachel and Philip Ridgway. They were birthed from what may be the longest frozen embryos to ever result in a live birth, according to the National Embryo Donation Center. There is something mind-boggling about it, Philip Ridgway said, as he and his wife cradled their newborns in their laps at their home outside Portland, Oregon. I was five years old when God gave life to Lydia and Timothy, and he's been preserving that life ever since. Um, the Dr. John David Gordon, who performed the embry- uh, who performed the embryo transfer, said the decision to adopt these embryos should reassure parents who wonder if anyone would be willing to adopt the embryos that they created 5, 10, 20 years ago. That answer is a resounding yes. Um, now, that part, I don't agree with. And I'll tell you why for a second. Let me say what I think is good about this. Um, I think that it is fine for couples to adopt embryos. We believe and we know that life begins at conception. As this father said, he says, I was five years old when God gave life to Lydia and Timothy. He is talking about the moment of their conception. He's absolutely right that that is when God gave their children life. That is when their life began and their life was on pause in a lot of ways. Their growth and development was deferred and deterred. Um, They should be the same age that I am right now. I was born in 92. And so they should be 30 years old and they're just being born, which really is mind boggling, as he said, that really is wild. So 
Uh, as far as the ethics of embryo adoption go, uh, yes, these are human beings. They are made in the image of God. I think that it is ethically, morally fine uh, to adopt these embryos. I, I wish that all embryos could be adopted because I do believe it is unethical and it is immoral to put um, children on ice, to put human beings in a frozen state for however many years, not knowing if they will ever be implanted and adopted. I mean, you are talking about basically abandoning human beings for years on end. And this doctor who says you should be comforted knowing that there are couples who want to adopt your embryo, maybe, perhaps, but there are thousands of embryos right now who are not being adopted, who will never be adopted. There are probably not enough willing parents to adopt these embryos. And by the way, there are already born infants and babies and toddlers and preteens and teenagers who also need a home. And so this is the complication of the ethics behind IVF. Um, now, we've talked about this in depth, and I won't get into all of that right now. I know it's a very sensitive topic, and my hope is not to offend when I talk about what I think are the questionable ethics of um, of IVF. But one of the problems is when you create embryos that you have no intention or no capability of implanting and growing yourself, and you put them on ice, and you basically abandon these human beings that you created. You are no longer taking responsibility for their care and their well-being, and you just don't have a guarantee that they are ever going to be implanted. And even if they are, if they are implanted and they are grown by other human beings, you are giving your child away to other humans to raise, which I understand is the same thing as adoption in general. I think adoption is a beautifully redemptive and healing process um, that is reflective of God's adoption of us Gentiles. And so I think adoption is a beautiful thing, but it is something to consider when you are creating these embryos if you have no intention or capability of caring for them yourself. You are surrendering them. You're either surrendering them to a freezer indefinitely or you're surrendering them to other people who may or may not be Christians, who may or may not have the same values that you do. You don't know how they are going to be raised. So these are all things to consider as we create human beings. I just think that the consequences that children, that humans have to pay for adults' wishes when it comes to um how they, how, you know, people, how adults exhibit their sexuality. So if it's two men coming together, two women coming together, or uh, adults desiring to uh, reproduce, I think that they are very often just not considered. And they should be. These human beings, even these embryos, I believe that they have rights, that they are made in the image of God. They have souls, and therefore they matter. What we do with them actually matters. And so, I am thankful uh, that these embryos were adopted. It is pretty incredible. I am thankful that these parents seem to be pro-life and seem to be Christians themselves. And I hope that these children grow up feeling loved and knowing who they are in Christ and that these people have a wonderful life. I do take issue with the ethics and the morality of how they were conceived in the first place. And I simply think that IVF is something that Christians need to think about a little bit more thoroughly and carefully. I know as pro-lifers, we love life. We love babies. And so I think it's easy to think that, however, 
children are reproduced, that that's fine, that's good. But as I've said often, whenever we go from what's natural to what's possible, there are always going to be ethical and moral questions that we have to consider. Sometimes those questions can be resolved in a way that is sound, but sometimes they simply cannot be resolved in a way that is moral and ethical and biblical. And when it comes to any kind of child abandonment, when it comes to any kind of violation of a child's right, whether it's a child's right to life, whether it's a child's right to a mother and a father, we have, I think, a responsibility to speak up, not just think about those things, but also speak up about those things. So anyway, I mean, good for these parents uh, for adopting these children. And as I said, I hope that they have a wonderful life. Very, very interesting story. It'll also be interesting to just kind of follow uh, their life and to uh, follow the lives of people who are created in this way in general. All right, before we head out, and I've just got a couple announcements, let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day. That is Eden Pure. I get asked this question a lot. What is that air purifier that you talk about that you love? A lot of you are looking for air purifiers because you want your home to not just smell better and feel better, but also to be healthier, to make sure that the air that you are breathing really is pure, that the viruses, that the toxins, that the bacteria that might be hanging on in your air or the smells really are taken care of. And Eden Pure can do that. I love the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier because you plug it right into your wall and it doesn't take up any floor space and you can't really hear it. You don't even really notice it, but I feel good knowing that it is cleaning my air. Right now, you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm three-pack for whole home protection. You'll get three units for under $200, which is a really, really good deal. These are super, super popular. And once you get it, you will see why. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, put in discount code Allie to save $200. That's EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Allie. Shipping is free. EdenPureDeals.com, code Allie. All right, just a reminder that we have got our awesome merch that is ready for you. I've got two of my new stickers. I'm really running out of space here. I might have to rearrange these bad boys, but I've got my share your arrow sticker. I've got my little um, pitbull Christmas sticker, which some of you still seem to be a little pressed about. Um, and then we've got our awesome crew neck sweatshirts that have our beautiful depiction of Mary and Jesus on the back. There it is. I can see it now. And then we've also got a raise a joyful ruckus. And I think mine are in so I can try them on and I can show them to you. I got a large in both sweatshirts. I just like mine to be a little bit um, roomier. So just an FYI. And then you can see the sticker right there too. And plus we've got all of our other relatable merch and we've got new merch also that's going to come out in the new year. Lots of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. Uh, all right. If you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't done that already. Thanks so much, and we will be back here tomorrow.